Ah, oh, good morning, church. Now, forgive me for sitting here, but it would be quite undignified to have you watch me step up that enormous step for me onto the platform. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we were chatting at home in the family about the fatherhood of God and how he provides all our needs. And Jill commented that you've had many experiences. You should share them with the church. And so I've got a story for you, if you'll bear with me. In 1928, I was born into a Christian family in Tottenham. Um, and my parents were of brethren persuasion. And you can't be brought up in a brethren church without being soaked in the scriptures. It happens. And I learned early on that my Heavenly Father had a plan for my life. My sister was born six years after me. You all, many of you knew Margaret. And we were brought up in this happy home and taught the things of God at an early age. What? You were suggesting I'm not speaking loud enough. I'll have to be like the um, football. Right. Is that a bit better? So Margaret and I struggled through the wartime years with all the problems of evacuation and all that. And we learned a lot about life. And um, I finished up in the school I was meant to be in. And when I left school, I was expecting to go to university. I had a place booked at Birmingham and on the last day before I was going up, I got a letter saying, sorry, Mr. Thompson, we've given your place away to our ex-serviceman because of the government instructions. So, boom, slam in my face. What to do? Look for a job. Well, jobs weren't easy to find in 1947. And um, I met an old school colleague in the street. He said, why not go and try? Southwest Essex Technical College, you can get a good degree there. So I hopped on the trolley bus, went over to Walthamstow and got up, got a place in the in Walthamstow Tech. Started there two years later, two days later. In retrospect, I think my Heavenly Father was trying to say to me at that time, I don't want you in Birmingham during those formative years. I want you at home in your family while I train you to prepare you for your life. As it turned out, it was a blessing in disguise. I had a physics professor who was absolutely brilliant and a math teacher who was not much less. I finished up with a much better degree than I would ever have got at Birmingham. And then I got offered a job with the Ministry of Supply, 
which meant going to live in Lancashire. But I was fortunate. I was given 10 months intensive training in factory management and operations, making atomic fuel rods. I could never have such a um, training anywhere else. At the end of the training period, I was sent up into Cumberland to work at what you know now know as Sellafield. And introduced me to the Lake District, which I loved. But after a couple of years, I got bored with living in a hostel and I yearned for home life. So I thought I'd apply for a job down south. So I went to the famous aircraft company, De Havilland's, and got a post there, which meant I could live with my parents back in Tottenham. And all things went well. Now, that, soon after that, I started going out with a young woman who went to the same assembly as I was at. And suddenly, on one Sunday night, she announced out of the blue, to my absolute horror, she was going to marry someone else. It was very bad for the ego. Terrible. Fortunately, my company wanted to send me to Australia for three months. And so I was carted off to the outback of Australia. There's nothing like the outback to fill your mind up with something different. It's absolutely awesome. Huge space with emus running around like express trains and kangaroos and really big, dangerous animals. And when I got back from Australia, I picked up a relationship I'd had before. I'd met Ruth here some years before on holiday. And she'd been friendly with my sister Margaret. So I started courting her at 200 miles distance. Two years later, we got wed. And I think the Lord had been saying to me, that other girl wasn't for you. I had once. I had someone special lined up. So Ruth came south with me to live in Tottenham. Terrible culture shock to come to sit in the fringes of London after living all your life in Geordie Land. After six weeks, I got offered a house in Hatfield, Newtown. Because of my work, the boss said to me, do you want three bedrooms or four? I said, three is enough, thank you. <laughs> so we settled down to build a home life. Didn't we, well? And um, after a couple of years, we um, adopted a little, a little girl called Jill and looked after uh, through our childhood years. Now things have changed and she's looking after us through our second childhood. <laughs> so the Lord didn't want me marrying the wrong person, you see. And a short while later, we adopted a little boy called Paul. I don't think any of you have met Paul. But he's quite a character. 
things went along swimmingly for quite a while. I was flitting around the world and popping in home occasionally. And then in 1976 it was, boom. I was having a meeting with a professor in London University and we just had lunch and I was on the way home and outside Houston Station I felt as if I'd been kicked in the chest. So the thought was, what do I do, fall down and be taken to University Hospital or try and get home? So I had to conjure up the energies, provided divinely, no doubt, to go into the underground station, buy a ticket, get down the escalator and get on the train. And when I got to Tottenham Hale, get in my car and drive round to my parents' house where Ruth and the children were staying all day. Fortunately, Ruth was a proficient driver and could drive us back to Hatfield. And that night, she called the doctor out. We had doctors visiting at night time in those days. And he said, right, hospital. And I got carted off to QE2 hospital and diagnosed with a stroke. And I was quite paraplegic by that. I don't know. I was quite ill. Terrible angina pains. <coughs> but we recovered. And then life went on subsequently. And I think subsequent, in, in retrospect, the Heavenly Father was saying to me, Bray, you're going the wrong way. You're working too hard. You're ignoring your family. Slow, slow up. Look after them. And it was just as well that happened because young Paul, in his teenage years, was a little terror. He got mixed up with the wrong folk and became hooked on heroin. And having somebody come off heroin, cold turkey in your house, is no pleasant experience, I tell you. Anyway, it, made, it wrecked his liver. And it's only recently he's had treatment which has cured him of the hepatitis which he was diagnosed with. He said to me only, only the other day, when I was a youngster, I used to make my own decisions just to please myself. And I didn't think about anybody else. I just did what I wanted. And now he's out, I've got a wife and a lovely young daughter. And my responsibility is, is to them. So I have a different way of looking at things. So that time of being pulled up sharp at that time was obviously to also the path of my life to look after the family. And it paid off with Paul. And I managed to retire 10 years later. I carried on working, of course, being me, as an independent consultant. And um, retirement, I thought, suited me. I was feeling quite big-headed, thinking, oh, I'm doing all right. I've got over my heart attack. I'm a fit man, and I can get around. And the Lord said to me, are you? Boom. And then one day, I'd been out with Ruth, serving meals at a local care home. Came home, and I was just sitting down to eat my dinner. I found I couldn't even dip the full cup of food in my mouth. Ruth was brilliant. You know the acronym that the NHS used? 
F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, and time, seemed from the phone in a flash. And before I knew what was happened, the ambulance arrived and they carted me off to QEG hospital. And there, um, they had a magnificent strength rehabilitation unit. I spent six months in that and learned to walk again and to live with my disability. But I'm quite sure my Heavenly Father wanted me down in East Sussex where Jill was. And I was too thick to see it. So I stuck my toes and said, no, I'm not going. Margaret was more amenable. She came down and moved a bungalow in Hurstman Sue. And after a few months, I had an experience seeing a fellow elder in a care home in Hertfordshire. It was so disgraceful. I thought, I must get out of here. I couldn't stand that. And I said, you go. Came down to Hurstman Sue, and there was a bungalow already prepared for us in Hailsham. Ideal. We bought it and lived there for eight happy years. Mm -hmm. And then disasters come as big warnings. The next, I'd been wondering what we were, how we were going to get on because we were getting frail. And it was quite evident that um, we couldn't look after ourselves forever. And then Ruth Gilson falls over with the Whitney bin breaks some bones and has to go to hospital. She was very fortunate. She was out of the way when Jill and I had a discussion. I said, what's with Jill? Jill said, you must come and live with me. So after thinking it all through, I moved in. and We decided the bungalow had to go. And there was the trauma of get to, getting it ready to sell, get rid, you know, rid, rid of possessions of a lifetime. I, Ruth missed it all. So when she recovered, she came and joined me, living with Jill and Bazette. And so the um, circle's completed. And if I look back, I see my pathway was planned out. And I had many experiences traveling around the world and being here and there, being taken for an international drug dealer and an international arms smuggler. And, and funnily, funnily enough, the, the funniest one was being thought to be the manager of the Harlem Globetrotter. <laughs> Still, all through it all, there is no doubt in my mind that our Heavenly Father provided more than I could even have asked and dreamt for. No shortage of provision and guidance and a pathway laid out. It's going somewhere again soon, I suppose. But I can now rely on his absolute um, um, faithfulness to be sure that I will live my life path out as he wanted me to. And I guess my talking to you today is part of the plan. I don't know, but I think I must have used too much time. So, um, the thing is, 
watch out for the Father's messages to you. Don't be stubborn. Give in to them. And that's where the free will and that predestination meet. The Lord says, this is the way. And I can say, no, I'm not doing it like I did back in 1998. But um, if we follow his way, he is faithful and just to provide us with all we need. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that hasn't bored you too much.